Sport Market. It runs on Radio NL, airing Saturdays from 2 to 6 and Sundays from 5 to 9. Host Tom Manick rates and debates the bulls and bears of sports business and takes a behind-the-scenes look at the sports business stories that matter most to fans. Pleased to welcome to the program now, Tom Manick. Tom, how you doing today? Hey, not bad at all. Uh, happy Friday, Jeff. Uh, hopefully this uh, sunshine can stay with us uh, right through the weekend in Kamloops and throughout the province. I hope so. I'm hoping for a nice sunny Father's Day this Sunday, that's for sure. All right, let's, yeah, let's get to some of the sports business stories that matter most here. And, you know, one of the biggest events in soccer is taking place right now, Euros 2020. Of course, it's 2021, but the whole games were postponed by a year due to the pandemic. So Euros 2020 taking place now here in the summer of 2021. The first thing I just wanted to ask you about is sort of what what sorts of traction do you feel like this particular event gets from a North American audience, given that games are being played quite early in the morning? It's not really opportune time for people to be getting up and watching their televisions at 6 o'clock in the morning here in, in uh, the West Coast or even 9 a.m. on the East side of things. But, you know, do you think this still has a really big resonation with uh, North American soccer fans, despite the fact that it might be a little bit more difficult to tune into? You know what, it, 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 it does almost to a FIFA World Cup type standards. I mean, we've seen um, World Cup events, of course, in recent years where you've got a very similar uh, time difference, people having to wake up uh, uh, very early in the morning. Uh, and in the case of uh, when it was hosted by uh, Japan and South Korea, um, you know, you certainly had some uh, some late night, uh, very, very early morning uh, viewing as well. Uh, among hardcore soccer, soccer fans, this is the second most important tournament in the world, behind only the World Cup. And because of the caliber of the European nations, some people believe that this is the best tournament in the world mm -hmm. because it's not as, you know, diluted or watered down as the World Cup has, has become. And that's not meant to denigrate, uh, you know, up-and-coming countries. But make no mistake, the best soccer in the world continues to be played in either uh, Europe or South America. And, you know, Asia, North America, Africa, trying to catch up there. But that's what this tournament is all about the best in European soccer. So um, it, it winds up becoming destination television. And if the, uh, if the numbers live aren't everything that you'd expect, by the time that the repeat broadcasts and telecasts have been aired and, and the, uh, you know, the social and digital uh, and streaming um, has been received, uh, it's, it's a pretty uh, significant audience in North America. And certainly Canada has consumed this tournament historically um, as one of the countries that on a per capita basis watches more of the Euros uh, than many other countries around the world. So that's a very good sign for the, the, the rise of soccer interest here in Canada, both the men's game and the women's game. Uh, the thing that makes it really interesting, Jeff, from a sports business point of view, is that there's no host nation this year for Euro 2020. Instead of a host nation or two, you've got 11 host cities. And the 24 teams are grouped in the six uh, uh, pools in uh, those uh, various cities. And that's where the focus is. And I thought that the logistics would be an absolute nightmare. It sure seems that so far they've been so good 
despite the scare around Eric Christensen mm-hmm. uh, and 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 Eric Christian and um, uh, you know some of the other minor little glitches, they've managed this thing very very well so far, and I think it looked great on television. Well, if you want to look at how this uh, this tournament impacts business, I don't think you have to look too far. You know, on uh, Monday, Cristiano Ronaldo during a press conference, he. Uh, moved a couple of bottles of coca-cola one of the official sponsors of the tournament and uh, picked up a bottle of water instead encouraging people to drink water instead of cola i mean by the end of the press conference coke shares had dropped 1.6 percent which equals about a four billion dollar loss in their market value and then shares sunk another 0.6 percent the following day on tuesday i mean clearly i mean he's the biggest soccer star in the world i would say maybe leonel messi might be uh, you know the the one two punch here but ronaldo of course one of the biggest names in the sport and clearly showing that the euro 2020 tournament can have a significant impact on the value of business and it doesn't just come down to soccer right this clearly has a major impact on businesses as well uh no question i mean that's a sponsorship nightmare for coke i know that some people uh, suggest that there's no such thing as bad news. I'm not necessarily one of those as a former PR practitioner uh, in the business of sport. Uh, I, I do think that that was, you know, a very, uh, let's say, flat day for, for Coca-Cola. Um, and especially, you know, and, and, and I think the, the encouragement to drink water, that's the positive side of this because all of us need to drink more water. But, you know, the dismissal of the Coke-branded product from his press conference, uh, definitely there there would be a palpable effect because, Jeff, he is the number one influencer on social media in the world. He has more followers on his various social platforms than any other personality. And it it also is backed by the fact that he's, you know, off to such an incredible start uh, uh, leading Portugal to that you know, three-goal victory the other day, and him doing it almost single-handedly. So not only was he was he was were those words coming from his mouth, but they were coming when there was a heck of a lot of media and fan attention on him. So those words certainly carried far and and wide and loud. We'll go from one brand of football to another here, Tom. But the Canadian Football League announcing it's going to be starting up its season here in 2021 on August the 5th after losing its entire 2020 season. One of the big things I know that the league is really hoping for is to get some fans in the stands. It's one of the more ticket-driven leagues um, that that we have at our disposal here. Uh, But I guess we'll just talk about the fact that it's coming back. Obviously a big, big positive here, but is there any hurdles you can think of that we have to worry about between now and August the 5th when kickoff finally does take place? Uh, you know, I think the biggest hurdle, Jeff, was Monday's Board of Governors uh, meeting. And that meeting uh, basically uh, showed unanimous ratification of the CBA that has been put together for this shortened season and for the return to play protocols. So I think that was the big thing. And I, and I, I do believe that the way the CFL responded uh, you know, this week, the, the, the way the various uh, member clubs, the nine-member franchises responded, it shows you that they felt pretty good about this for the last month because after having the announcement go that the August 5th kickoff uh, was confirmed on Monday, by Tuesday you had the schedule revealed. And you see 
a lot of the teams had put some good creative work into the schedule unveiled. If you haven't seen the schedule unveil of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and you're a Seinfeld fan, that definitely should be uh, searched, uh, you know, on, on, on your Google or whatever your, your favorite search engine is because it's worth the look of those 14 games. I think it's so important, Jeff, that the CFL has done this. Uh, to go dark one season like they did last year is one thing. They just could not have uh, uh, done it, in my view, and still come out of this as the CFL that we we know we know it as. If they had gone dark a second consecutive season, so it's great news, and um, it'll also uh, you know uh, uh, hopefully bring back the tradition of the support that Kamloops has provided for the BC Lions, uh, you know, moving uh, moving forward. So 14 games this year, um, and, and, you know, the real question is, how? what's the number that the provincial government in British Columbia is going to allow for the BC Lions to uh, to do in terms of selling, uh, uh, selling season tickets or selling uh, tickets for the various games? Uh, it'll be very interesting to see by that first week of August how many provinces are actually saying, hey, fill your boots, fill your stadiums and how many are still saying well hey you can do up to five thousand but no more Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely going to be interesting and and i'm glad you brought up kamloops because we are set to be welcoming the bc lions for training camp here as of july the 10th i think they're actually showing up july 3rd one week of quarantine july 10th they're going to get their training camp underway here in kamloops so we're definitely excited about that I uh, wanted to get to hockey here. Of course, we're in Canada. we got to talk hockey at some point, and we know we're in the conference finals right now. Tampa Bay taking that 2-1 to series lead over the Islanders last night, and we got the uh, Montreal Canadiens playing their first home game of the Final Four here tonight, playing host to the Las, uh, yeah, Las Vegas Golden Knights. That series all tied up at 1. Um, just having Montreal in there, a big marquee team, you know, nothing against the Winnipeg Jets, but I think Montreal probably draws a little bit more fanfare here north of the border compared to what Winnipeg would do. How critical do you think it is to have, you know, one of these major original six teams in this final four? Even though we are seeing three of the same four teams back in the conference finals as we're in that bubble, uh, but Montreal being the one outlier, and they sure bring a lot of eyeballs. Uh, you know, they certainly do, and they do so as a heritage brand, as you, as you mentioned, as an original six brand. Um, you know, uh, second only to Toronto. I mean, Toronto would have commanded even more uh, of a national audience simply because its television market of $7 million is just that much bigger than the $4 million that are in the Montreal-designated market area. But like the Leafs, the Habs' popularity transcends uh, Montreal and the province of Quebec, uh, you know, the Habs and the Leafs carved up the country, really, uh, in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, into 1970, when the Vancouver Canucks became the third Canadian team. And then, of course, uh, post-WHA, uh, we've now gotten to that 6, 7, 8 was the max, I think, that we've had uh, with the Quebec Nordiques, uh, you know, being the, the missing link, so to speak. But with, with uh, that generational history, uh, there are a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans in British Columbia. And, um, and even they might not be hardcore fans, they're hardcore hockey fans. And it is interesting to have a Canadian team uh, you know, uh, in, in, in this stage of the Final Four, uh, first time in, in a number of years. So that's good news for the national television rights holders for sure. It's good news for NHL sponsors, and the numbers have been terrific. 
the thing that you, um, uh, you know, wish with a magic wand you could have, and it relates to all sports, and the Camloose Blazers would, would have loved this, but it's too bad that we didn't get to fans in the stands a little bit earlier here in Canada, because whenever you have a Stanley Cup run, uh, you want to make the most of it. And although it's on television, although there's public viewing, uh, you know, opportunities and celebration opportunities outside, um, uh, it, it's just not the same. I'm, I'm very appreciative as a sports fan, not, not just a sports business geek, but as a sports fan, that at least you've got 3,500 fans who will be in the stands at the Bell Centre tonight. It'll mark the uh, uh, fourth game uh, that the Montreal Canadiens have had uh, fans in the stands. And they're the only Canadian sport franchise that has had fans in the stands since March of 20, um, uh, uh, 2020. And uh, it is the first time yesterday when the Vegas Golden Knights crossed the border. Uh, it was the first time since March of uh, mm-hmm. 2020 that an American-based team has crossed the border to play here in Canada. So a lot of interest from a TV side of things. A lot of interest um, uh, simply because of the two teams in this series, an original six Canadian team against the new expansion team that actually has a lot of fans and a lot of fan interest because they've been you know, pretty decent their first four years in history. Well, and I will say this too, I mean, with the fact that I think a lot of people probably didn't expect Montreal to do much in this series. A lot of people thinking Vegas would win in four or five games, and not that that's not still possible, but the fact that they were able to tie it up 1-1, I think is going to draw more people in, thinking this series is a little bit juicier than maybe they initially anticipated. So we'll see what comes with that. One more topic I did want to get with you here, Tom, and that was the NBA playoffs. I've been really enjoying these NBA playoffs because it feels more even than it ever has. There always seems to be one or two teams that you just expect are going to make the finals. And the first three rounds are almost a formality to get there. But this year, it really hasn't felt like that. But one of the reasons because of that is all these injuries that we are seeing, right? LeBron James had anticipated this rash of injuries to star players across the league earlier on before the season even started. And since the playoffs have began, we've seen Anthony Davis unable to play much of a role in that first round series. Uh, The big three in Brooklyn have only played one game together in this second round and yeah, that being said, I think James Harden played just one minute in that first game of this second round series. Uh, Kawhi Leonard's out now with an injury. Chris Paul's in COVID protocols. Jamal Murray couldn't play for Denver, and the list goes on. I mean, is this a bad thing for the sport that we don't have these these star athletes on the court, even though maybe it is making for a bit more interesting playoff? You know what? In general, you always want your best possible product on the field of play, and in this case, on the court of play. Now, no question, it does, uh, you know, put the NBA playoffs on its heels. It turns the whole uh, betting framework upside down, and you just look at what's happened. It's been a, a roller coaster of a week for Vegas, not the Vegas Golden Knights, but for Vegas from a, a sports betting point of view, as the sports betting capital of North America. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I would say that most fans would would love to have all the stars that's what drives the train is super the the superstar players the best in the game but there's no question that even without the injuries there was and i agree with you jeff uh i can't remember as much parody being seen or felt in the nba as we're seeing and you could it's not out of the realm of possibility that you could have the atlanta hawks up against the phoenix suns 
in the NBA Finals. And I, I guarantee you, very few, if any, had that as their NBA final matchup, but it could happen if the um, Atlanta Hawks uh, um, uh, hold on against the Philadelphia 76ers and then get by the winner of the Bucks uh, brooklyn series. And, of course, the Phoenix Suns need Chris Paul to come back, in my view, uh, uh, to be a factor. His is not the injury, as you mentioned, as the, pro- the protocol. But I think LeBron James, uh, it, 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 there's no question that the uh, players had a different kind of uh, preseason. Uh, he predicted that it would translate into injuries. Uh, certainly, his own, he only has to look in the mirror as to uh, his own season being impacted by, by injury. And it's a, I think it's a real shame when you see the Kyrie Irvings and the Kawhi Leonards and the others uh, go down to injury. But it certainly will mean that uh, whether they come back or not, uh, this is open season for the 2020-2021, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Larry O'Brien Trophy. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this all shakes out over these next number of weeks. It's, uh, it's a real exciting playoff. It's the most interested I've been in in, in one since the, the Raptors, of course, had their run in 2019. All right, Tom, I think that's uh, all the time we have. We've taken you up uh, for a little while here. So I always appreciate you coming on and looking forward to the show this weekend. Sport Market, of course, airs on both Saturdays and Sundays here on Radio NL, and I can't wait to tune in, but thanks so much for the time today. Hey, Jeff, always a pleasure to be on with you. Have a terrific Cam Loops weekend. Oh, we will. We will for sure. Tom Manek right there, host of Sport Market. It runs right here on Radio NL. Saturdays from 2 to 6 and Sundays from 5 to 9. Tom rates and debates the bulls and bears of sports business and takes a behind-the-scenes look at the sports business stories that matter most to fans. Always a great listen.